Welcome to Warriors Offcourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Warriors great and NBC Sports Bay Area analyst Chris Mullen. The Last Dance documentary has understandably received a lot of attention in recent weeks, and if you've been paying close attention, you've seen Chris's face in the background a few times. Chris's career aligned with Michael Jordan's. They graduated in the same high school class, shared a roster at two Summer Olympics, and faced each other in the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals. During our conversation, Mullen discussed what it was like to share so many memories with one of the greatest of all time. Chris, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I know a lot of our listeners and readers out there have enjoyed your coverage on NBC Sports Bay Area this season. It's been a lot of fun having you back in the fold. Um, and and I, I know I'm not alone in noticing your face on the last dance documentary a few times during this series. Um, Chris, what's, what's, what's this been like for you? Just uh, kind of walking down memory lane. I know you weren't on those goals teams or anything, but you came up at the same time as Jordan. Uh, what's this process been like for you? Yeah, kind of my pleasure to be with you. And uh, just want to wish everyone uh, health and safety at this uh, crazy time in our lives. But uh, hopefully everyone's staying safe, staying home and, Staying healthy, but uh, yeah, the last dance has been a little bit of a nice reprieve and distraction from uh, from the quarantine life we're all living. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, pretty much the timeline of my career, right? So Michael, uh, Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Bill Wentz, a lot of those guys, we all came out of high school together, so we kind of went through our careers uh, at the same point in time. You are. Uh high school class and Michael Jordan do you what are some of your earliest memories of MJ do you remember hearing about him as a as a high schooler going to North Carolina do you did you play at any camps with him was there anything like that yes yeah, so for 1981 um, we all played in the McDonald's game together Patrick Michael myself Bill Wennington A lot, of, a lot of really good players in that game, and that was the first time I saw Michael play. He was incredible. Um, should have been the MVP. He wasn't, I don't think, anyway, but he scored 30 points and uh, was the most athletic, energetic guy, just as he was throughout his whole career. And then um, so that was our senior year in high school. Played against him. There was a thing back in the day called the National Sports Festival, which was uh, – Conducted by uh, USA Basketball, played against him there, and then we competed, played against him twice in college, and then uh, obviously with the '84 Olympic team and '92 Olympic team. So we we did a lot of stuff prior to him becoming, um, you know, the Michael Jordan we all know now. So I kind of saw him really from the start of his career and uh, watched that whole thing blossom into uh, total stardom. You also uh, were college. Winnington, right? Who yeah. uh, played with him for the Bulls and is, is prominently featured in the in the documentary. Um, did you keep in touch with him as well you know, during your NBA days? And, and did he have, did, would he give you the occasional MJ play? Yeah. So Bill was my roommate. We came into St. John's together, um, so we we're really close and still stay in contact with him. And you know, even when we were playing during that series uh, in '98. Uh, you know, Bill, Steve Kerr, Judd Bush, the guy I played with at 
the Warriors. So yeah, we all, like I said, a lot of those guys are the same, uh, same age, coming through college, give or take a few years. So you know, when you play someone um, as an opponent and, and you team up, you just get to know guys over over the course of time. And you know, yeah. So Bill, Bill's one of my good friends. I still, still chat with him. Yeah. Are you surprised at all by how easy of a transition he had? the NBA, I mean, you, you came in your rookie year and, and definitely were a factor, but came in right away and was just borderline dominant. Were you surprised at all by how, how smooth that was for him? Um, not really, because in 1984, when we were at the Olympic team, we played eight exhibition games against NBA teams, uh, like select teams, and and they were getting the top players to come. So Michael, uh, during I think, I think we went eight zero. And you talk about all the, the elite players in the league: Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Isaiah Thomas, Ralph. Sand, every, every all the All Stars were playing. And Michael, on many nights, was by far the best player on the court. So we saw a glimpse of it. I think you know when you make that transition from college to the NBA, the the big thing is the amount of games and, and the and um, but he had no problem with that at all. The only thing that derailed him really was his broken foot. And then he came back and got 63 against the Lakers, so that he showed that he was totally recovered from that. What was he like? Uh, there's been a lot of conversation in the documentary about what he was like on a team, as a teammate on the Bulls. And you know, he got, I think, probably, in my opinion, the best scene in the series so far was when he was talking about his competitive drive and, and how that kind of made him a difficult teammate at times, how he felt the need to bring guys along and and he got uh got emotional and, and, and asked to take a break. You know, having been a teammate of his not necessarily on an NBA team but on the dream team, um, on uh that eighty four team what 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 was he like from your perspective? Yeah, so a totally different atmosphere, uh, when you're playing on the the all star teams, Olympic teams because the, the amount of time is much shorter, less games, more practice. Um, so the times I got to play with Michael, 1984, like I said, and, and, and the Dream Team, there was nothing really to be upset about because we didn't lose a game. <laughs> we played, we played, we played eight, eight exhibition games with the NBA. I think we won all of them. Uh, and I think you played eight games in the Olympic Games and – both in eighty four ninety two we won all the games. So my experience with Mike is we were twenty four and oh, so that's that's not bad. Um but he was you know, look, it's 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 everyone knows the drive he has, the competitive fire that burns within him, um and his love of the game. So I never really had anything but good experiences with Michael. Um you know, as long as you're on the same level as far as dedication, work ethic, um, you know, discipline and and, uh, and focus, you're all good. So, um, and that that didn't change. I, I saw that in 1981, and I saw that in 1998. You know, we played when I was with the Pacers. So he was very consistent, and uh, that's why he's considered the greatest of all time. We'll have more of my conversation with Chris Mullen right after the break. The chunk of the documentary is devoted to that 
that dream team, deservedly so. And uh, I personally, I, I was born in 1990, so I was too young to be aware of this at the time. But I, I, all the information about Tony Kukoc and that whole dynamic situation was actually new information for me, and I think it was for a lot of people in my generation. Um, what do you remember about about that, and, and what was that like? You know, not necessarily having a dog in that fight, not being on that Bulls team, but seeing how much it meant to Michael and Scotty. Yeah, so I, I wasn't 100% aware of the backdrop with, with Jerry Krause and the contract negotiation, but it was clear as day that they were going out to shut Tony Kukoc down, um, first and foremost to win the game, right? That's what was needed to win that game. And I think there was an extra uh, added um, factor w- with with the um, the recruitment slash um, you know love of Tony Kukoc before you know after all Michael and Scotty had done for the Bulls, all this attention was being paid to him before he even stepped foot on on the Chicago Bulls team. So mission accomplished in both areas. They shut him down uh, and let it be known, you know. Who the, who the two big dogs were. <clears throat> uh, there's some really interesting footage from one of the practices with that team uh, that sounded pretty intense, and, and MJ really going at it with, with Barkley and those guys. Do you remember that practice, and was that one of the more memorable practices you've had? It just sounded like a pretty special one from what those guys were saying. Yeah, when you're surrounded by some of the greatest players of all time, um, almost to a man, their their habits are what make them great. Their daily habits and their work ethic and their discipline. Um, so that that was, you know, practice was what we we used to prepare for our re- you know that was our rehearsal to, to go out and perform on the on the big stage. So Michael, <clears throat> his practice habits were, you know, elite. He he really took practice serious. Um, it didn't matter if, if it was in Monte Carlo, in Chicago, and in, in you know Timbuktu, he was going to prepare and practice with 100% intensity. Uh, he had the unique ability to, no matter what, it, where it was, what it was, um, any practice session was the most important thing to him, and felt like it was the only thing going on in the world. So that that's the type of intensity and focus he brought, um, you know, not only to his games, but he did that in practice as well. You you also I'm sure got to know Scotty Pippen uh, pretty well. Um, this this documentary I think does a good job of, of really highlighting how special of a player he was, and um, you know some of the challenges I think for him of of being a number two to someone like like MJ on those Bulls teams. Um, just as someone who got to play with him and got to know him, how special was Scotty in his own right? Do you feel like he's underrated in some ways? Uh, Scotty Pippen to me is one of the most um, gifted, greatest players of all time. Plays with such grace and, and ease. Uh, he does everything on the basketball court to perfection: defense, offense, rebounding, assists, scoring. You know, incredible athlete, and his defense was, I think, you know, at that point in time of his career, was probably the best perimeter defender and. and 
he and Michael together were, you know, just an incredible, tenacious, relentless defensive uh, force. They won a lot of their games with their defense. You know, you, you'll notice a lot of those games, they were down in the low 80s, and they just locked teams down and were, were able to play any style they needed to to win the game. So, Scotty, I mean, he may be underrated um, with people that kind of just watch and, and talk about the game, but if you played against him, if you played with him, if you prepared as a coach to play against the team Sky Pitt was on, there's no way you would underrate him in, in any uh, facet of the, of, of the game. understand where he was coming from just in terms of the the frustrations with the contract dispute, you know, and, and, you know, this is a guy who at that time was arguably a top three player in the league. And, uh, you know, given what he was making, and I think we can all kind of understand some of the, the reasons behind him signing that contract when he did, did you kind of you kind of feel for a guy like that? Uh, the business part is the business part. I don't, I don't, I didn't really, um, you know, when I'm watching that, that show, I'm all focused on the basketball stuff, the business that always, that creeps up into everyone's life at some point in time. Obviously from a strictly business standpoint, you sign a long-term deal for security and you wind up giving up some money, but I didn't really, all this, all that other drama stuff to me, that's all side notes to what's the most important part is their, their championship, uh, Talking to, I'm doing a story right now on uh, on just what watching this documentary has meant to the younger generation of NBA players. So I, I talked to Eric Pastel, I talked to uh, talking to Jordan Poole, talked to Michael Mulder and Marquise Chris, and all those guys were you know maybe one or two years old when MJ won his last title with the Bulls, and so they're kind of getting to understand and really appreciate. Michael's greatness through this documentary in a way that he otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Do you think that in some ways that's that's kind of the greatest thing about this documentary is that, you know, those who didn't get to see him at the time can kinda kind of get a glimpse at everything that went into making MJ MJ. Yeah, I think it is nice, um, to get a little bit of up close and personal um for what Michael, how he functioned, what he was all about, um, in his own words. Yeah, I even get some, you know, friends of mine or even my kids are like, man, this guy was, you know, we've heard you talk about him, but we didn't know he was that great. <laughs> so to get for them to see, you know, what made him great and also how the game has changed too. You know, the game is a different each and every decade, so it, it just changes. You know, that's what happens in life. That's what happens in in sports. So it's it's cool to just compare. You know, you can never, you know, it's it's so hard to compare generations, right? But it's nice to look at the, the people before you, you know, historically and see what they did and see how their success changed uh, and, and how people try to emulate them and, and, and take it a step further. So that, that's what it's really all about. You know, and Kobe has some nice quotes on there about, he would have never been who he was without Michael. And then Michael wouldn't have been who he was without, you know, Bird, Magic, and Dr. J, and so on. So that, that's that's the nice part where, you know, the game keeps evolving and, and the players before have an influence on what goes on in the future. 
is that with with all that being said, is that kind of in is that kind of in your in your mind what makes it hard to debate, you know, who's the greatest of all time when you're talking about MJ versus LeBron or MJ versus Kobe or what have you, because they're all they all played in different eras and they all you know influenced each other. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just a waste of energy and a waste of time. I I I kind of just really try to enjoy all the players that you know go out and perform at such a high level, appreciate their their greatness, and you know, as far as comparing, it's to me kind of a waste of energy because you're never really going to come up with a solid answer. I believe episode nine is really when we get we get in the thick of it with the Eastern. Conference Finals um, in 1998, um, and and that that Pacers team was pretty darn good. I mean, uh, you, Reggie Miller, Rick Smiths, all all you guys. Um, I think that that was probably a team that, in a lot of years, would have and could have won an NBA title. Um, what was that season like for you on that Pacers team, and you know how special was he? How special the year was it leading up to that series? Yeah, we had a great year. I mean, the three years I played in Indiana, we went to two conference finals and an NBA final. So, and that was a team that had been very successful, you know, four or five seasons leading up to that year. Um, so I really just kind of plugged a, a small little role on, on a, an already successful team to try and help them get over the hump. Uh, Larry Bird came in as the new coach and, we had, we had a lot of success, and uh, that, that first year, you know, we ran into Michael and uh, took them to Game 7. Game 7 itself wound up being more of a uh, typical Eastern Conference physical defensive battle, um, and they, they kind of pulled it out at the end. They had home court, which was a big factor. Um, but my time in Indiana was great, man. It was, I got to reunite with Mark Jackson, my, my college teammate, as you mentioned, Reggie Miller, just, you know, the three years I played with him, he was just phenomenal, just played off the charts. Uh, Dale, Antonio Davis, Rick Smith, he just had a really, really great group of guys and uh, a lot of success. And, you know, that 98 series, like I said, went, went to seven games and we pushed him as hard as we could and just came up a little bit short in game seven on the road. Do you think that in that game seven, could you kind of feel – urgency from that Bulls team, just them knowing that that was probably their last chance together, that that was the last dance, so to speak? Uh, I mean, I think when you get to game seven in the conference finals, that's that's there anyway, no matter what the backdrop was. I was not um, privy to any of that, to tell you the truth. I don't really remember being a big deal about, you know, you kind of focus on your own team. Whatever they're doing, they're doing. It doesn't really matter. Um but I think Game 7, Conference Finals, that's going to give you that type of feeling anyway, no matter what the backdrop is with your own organization. Um, Chris, I really appreciate you joining us. I guess the last question would just be, when you reflect on all the all the years you got to, to spend, uh, you know, being in the same company as, as someone like MJ, what, what what's maybe the one or two favorite memories that come to mind? Um, like, like most people, right? I'm, I'm in awe of his incredible athletic gifts and his drive and, and, um, his incredible accomplishments. 
But uh, I got to say, like through the years, dating back to 1981, um, you know, when I, when I would bump into him in the off season or you know whatever, kind of away from the game, really didn't change a whole lot. It was always really, um, you know, kind, warm guy, and always liked to reminisce and always liked to laugh and have a good time. Um, yeah, so I mean, just it, it was cool watching him. You know, like I said, ascend to greatness. But also nice to, uh, you know, maintain somewhat of a normal, normal relationship over the years. So I'm just I'm happy for him and um, just fortunate, fortunate enough to, you know, spend some time with him throughout his career. And like I said, we had tremendous success together. So it was uh, looking back on that, it's always always fun. Chris, thank you so much for for joining me. I hope you I hope the quarantine is treating you well. I hope you you and your family stay safe and and uh, you know try to get the most out of this. Same to you, Kai. Keep up the good work, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon, okay? Thank you. Our thanks to Chris Mullen for joining me on the podcast. It was great getting to hear his MJ stories. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 